You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Welcome, everybody, and uh, we're so excited. We're continuing a series that we started a few weeks ago called Becoming Like Jesus. We're looking at the life of Jesus really through the Gospel of Matthew and things that we can learn about who we can become. And uh, if I have the chance to meet you, my name is Nick. I'm the lead pastor here, and we just want to welcome those who are here in person, of course, but especially those who are watching online, those in our warming shelter. Everyone say a big thank you to Miss Heather, who's helping there and supporting today. And uh, we're going to miss you guys after next week, and uh, just so blessed to be able to do this. And we also have someone with us today. I got Lucas up here with me as we're continuing our series. Lucas, introduce yourself. Well, you guys already know my name is Lucas. Sorry, um, I stole your thunder. It's okay. You're, you're, you're allowed to steal yeah. it every once in a while. <laughs> anyway, my wife, Faith, and I, we are actually the young adult leaders here at Calvary. Um, and that's the ages 18 to 25, that age span where nobody knows what they're doing in life. So... <laughs> I'm, I'm still, actually, I think I'm still in that category. Yeah, yeah, you I are. Think. Like, I'm he was, close. He was 25 a, whenever we knew him back, like, in, like, a high few school years ago. And, and, and in middle school, and now he's 25 15, still. 15 years 15, yeah. Ago. Yeah. yeah. Maybe one. Maybe yeah. a year. Mm, or 15. We'll, we'll, yeah. yeah, we'll just say that. Yeah. I agree. Anyhow, with the young adults, those 18, 25-year-olds, we meet every other Tuesday from 6.30 to 8.00 in the LGR or in various places, depending on what we're feeling like we're doing that day. Um, this Tuesday, we're actually having a game night. It's gonna be super fun, and the sixth love language will be there, and that's food. Food, Pastor yep. Michael mentioned that, that last week. That was good. But you can get more info at facebook.com forward slash calvaryirwin.ya. So cal- facebook.com slash calvaryirwin.ya, yep. and you can kind of connect with what's happening with sure. our young adults. It's mm-hmm. a, such a great group, and I love what you and Faith are doing Thank with you. that. Now, in uh, July of 2015, I had the incredible privilege of officiating the, the wedding of Lucas and Faith. It was you did a good job. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I, uh, I didn't, you know, fall over or do anything embarrassing. No. Too embarrassing. I was expecting it, though. I know. I, with Faith, I was like tempted because yeah. uh, it's just fun to, you know, see her yeah. get embarrassed. But we didn't do that. Uh, and, and I've done a lot of weddings over the years, uh, a, a lot. This one was extra special um, because I'd been Faith's youth pastor. Uh, going a little bit back, further back than I would prefer to mention. 15 years. Uh, 15 years, thank you. Uh, <laughs> That's about it, right? <laughs> Wait, that no, is right. No, That's right. 17 years. It was actually 17, but we'll go Whoa. with 15. Um, but you I, got to, I got to be her youth pastor, and now she was all grown up. I was now the lead pastor here at Calvary, and I got to, do, uh, to, to lead this wedding. It was really cool. Yeah, and I got to be Faith's husband, which is super awesome. And I, I, I don't know if you guys know, but, like, I really, really love my wife. She's awesome. And if she's right there in the middle. She doesn't like attention all the time, but she really, really helps me a lot. And she, like, she put herself right in the perfect spot for me to just say I love you. And... Faith and I, back in the day, like, not 15 years ago, like six, right? Seven. I'm going to be in big trouble. Seven years ago. (laughs) Seven years ago in July, so we're still in the year six. Don't worry about it. We're okay. Anyway, we we were preparing for our journey uh, through marriage and also to go to Texas. So God wanted to test us, and he sent us to Texas instead of going to Philly. 
And um, it, it was a big test, but we why, moved why'd there. You to, why'd you go to Texas? So that I could finish my pastoral degree. I okay, actually cool. have a youth ministry degree. So those 18 to 25-year-olds would be taken care of very well. Yes. And uh, my wife is a uh, social worker, and she does a very good job of helping me out um, with emotions and, and things like that because she's just really good at those, and I need some help with those. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we, we attended Calvary because we knew that we could get plugged in. We knew that we had opportunities to serve here, and we knew that we could meet awesome people like Pastor Nick, Pastor Jason, Pastor Delana, Mike, and everybody that we got to know in the, during that time span. And we also knew that we could get some experience under our belts while we were in Texas. Fun fact, I hit a, I hit a kid with a piece of candy right in the forehead um, on my first sermon ever here at Calvary's Youth Group. That's awesome. And so, like, we're not going to do that we, today. We've gone a long way since then. It wasn't as bad as the shirt smashing into the light, but it's. it's I don't it's know all who right. did that. It's all right. I just we're still trying to figure out who did that. I, don't I know. thought it was Rosemary. Wasn't I it? thought it was Rosemary. Yeah, I oh, think sorry. it was Rosemary. Sorry. We'll blame Rosemary. That's yeah, that's that's good. Always blame the youth director. It's safer yeah, that way. Yeah, I don't have to be that anymore. You don't. You don't. I know. I know. Now, because of their time, Lucas and FaceTime, I knew Faith really well, but I didn't know Lucas, but got to know him better. And it was uh, this history in my relationship with them that made that ceremony so special because I loved being part of it because it wasn't just some stranger. And I've done weddings for people who are strangers, and you know, it's kind of an obligation, and I'm the pastor, but. Uh, they don't know me and I don't know them so well, but this was really special because I, I was part of a ceremony of two people that I loved and cared so much about and knew really well. Now, why are we talking about Lucas and Faith's wedding? What does that have to do with anything here? Well, I kind of think that it's like because weddings are pretty interesting in life, if you think about it. They're special and they're interesting because they can only be shared and done with multiple people. Like, you, you can't just get married to yourself. That'd be kind of weird. Like, it doesn't work that way. You can't. Like, legally speaking, somebody has to, beyond the bride and groom, be a part of the process. It's naturally a team effort whenever you're trying to legally get married. You see, while I had the incredible honor and privilege to lead uh, that ceremony, to be part of that ceremony, I wasn't the only one that was part of it. There were a bunch of people, you know, you had the wedding party and the photographer, Pastor Jason played guitar, and, mm-hmm. and uh, someone was running sound, and all the guests, and of course the makeup artist. Lucas needed the makeup artist, yeah. trust me. Uh, Man, he did wonders that day. If I didn't Incredible. put any on this morning, uh, <laughs> Of course then you also had kidding. Lucas and Faith. And each of those pieces of the puzzle were really important to making that day special, making it happen. It really was a team effort. And this is true uh, not just with weddings or even with marriages, but almost in every area of your life, in um, every area of our lives, uh, th- this principle is true, that we's accomplish more than me's. Here's what I mean. That when we do something together, we can accomplish more than if I do it by myself. We's can accomplish way more in life and in society than me's. You know, guys, Pastor Nick is really, he's right about this. We do accomplish more together in the form of me's, not like, I mean, we's, not me's. Sorry about that. You know, like, I'm just getting things mixed up every once in a while, but we'll be all right. We'll get through this. If you think about it, Faith and I cannot perform our own wedding. We can't. It's not the way it works. But we chose Pastor Nick to do it because we knew that he would do a really good job. And we trusted him even more because he had helped make our team stronger beforehand. 
You know, he, he took us out to lunch. We had premarital counseling with him. He was Faith's youth pastor, and, and he, he was really instrumental in the way that we were able to grow and learn how to be a stronger husband and wife together. And I'm grateful that I got to know you better since then because you've, you've been a really good teammate for us, and you've, you've helped us out a lot, especially whenever we had some unfortunate challenges that came our way. But I'm really... I'm really just thankful for the, uh, the way you, that you challenged us and that you encouraged us to, to live up to what God wanted us to do, to stay out of our comfort zone. But that's what teams do. They challenge each other to do better and to go further faster and to encourage one another to never, ever quit. And that's the power of being uh, we instead of being obsessed with me. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, you know, I don't need other people. Uh, they cause more stress, more work, uh, more headaches, I understand. Uh, maybe people ha have burned you in the past. Maybe you've coped with the pain and past failure by telling yourself, I'll figure my way through life on my own. You do you, I'll do me. We can just separate our, and go our own ways. And while I can personally understand that sentiment and have definitely been guilty of uh, adopting that kind of a narrative many times over myself. Each time I do so, I eventually come to this difficult realization. I have limits. Me too. We have limits. Yep. Can you turn to I your neighbor, uh, wherever you are, watching along, whatever, turn to your neighbor and tell them you have limits. You have limits. Now turn to the other neighbor and tell them as well if you didn't. Now, I know the one who's saying that you are perfect and you have no limits. Oh, yeah. Um, but we all have limits. Like, God made us that way. Uh, in a weird way, isn't it kind of freeing to admit that? Like, to say, I don't have to do it all. I can't do it all. I have limits. Mm. Isn't that kind of freeing? You see, God created us all with limits. You were not born, I know maybe when you were in like elementary school or middle school, your teacher told you this, but it wasn't true. They were just, you know, buttering you up. You weren't born to do whatever you put your mind to. I know, that's horrible. That is like the last thing you wanted to hear at church because you were ready to go jump off that roof and try to fly. You were ready to do it. I'm sorry, it's not gonna happen. Um, you were not born to do anything you put your mind to. You were created to ultimately fulfill God's purposes within the boundaries of your own limits and the provision of God's power. Like, that's what we were created for. Mm -hmm. Some of our limits might be more visible Mine than are. others. Mine Sometimes. Yep. You know, if, if uh, uh, we had a, a you know, weightlifting competition or push-ups or something, Lucas would probably destroy me. I don't know. Um, it's been a while. Maybe, maybe. It's been a while. Sometimes they're more visible. Sometimes they're more internal. Like there's insecurities and things that you battle with that no one else knows. But the reality is we all have limits. And God didn't give us, you know, some cheat code to, to somehow magically neutralize our limits. But he gave us other people to ultimately overcome those limits and to accomplish more together than we could on our own. He gave us his son and the Holy Spirit to guide us, mm -hmm. to empower us, and to really help us along the way. Amen. Now, back to Lucas and Faith's wedding. Um, I, it didn't matter how incredible of a ceremony I did uh, or I led. 
I could have done the entire thing with this like really cool British accent. You like should that. Have. I should have done should that. Have. That would, would have, have been, been really awesome. She oh. would have liked that a lot. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> or I could have thrown in all the iconic wedding scenes from different movies, like Princess Bride. Uh, we could have done Never Mailage. Seen it. Never seen it. Wouldn't that have been good? Or, or my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> we could have pulled that in. Or my personal favorite at the end of Napoleon Dynamite, Kip's Wedding. I don't know if it gets any better than that one. If you haven't seen it, I'm sorry. Uh, I could have wowed people with my wisdom, made them laugh with my wit, brought them to tears with my eloquence. But no matter how good of a job I did with that ceremony, it was all for naught without Lucas and Faith's participation. It, it could not happen without a we. It wasn't possible with a me. Because we's accomplish more than me's. Yes, they do. And you guys remember last week, Pastor Michael did a really, really great job of talking about the importance of inviting others to the table, a table of friendship, a table where relationships can be built, and even with people who are different than you are. Now, there's a step that takes place after the friendship is established, and it's working with friends. Working with friends is, can be difficult sometimes, but that doesn't mean that we use people to get something done or that we just try and get them to do something that we want them to do to get to an end of a project. But people are actually that end. They are the priority, which means you aren't the priority. Well, you guys are like the priority for us and for the other leaders here at Calvary, but you, you guys understand what I'm saying. People are the priority. And this is because God has designed us all to be interdependent with people to work alongside people, to support people, and for them to support you too, to accomplish more together than we could do on our own. For example, here, here's, this, here's a good example of this design. And now when I'm talking to you about this, think about your spouse or your best friend or somebody that you get a whole lot of stuff done with. Now I'm gonna talk about my wife a little more. I hope you guys don't mind, because she is pretty amazing. She is a planning champion. I am dead awful at planning anything. And she, she might tell you, yes, that's true, that's true. But she makes me better in that way because, like, you know, I'm like, hey, babe, I got an idea. Let's do this and this and this. Well, did you think about this and this and this and this and this yet? And I'm like, no, I know I didn't. And then, and then I was like, well, let me go back to the drawing board. And then I try again. But I'm very flexible and can go with the flow of things, especially last-minute things. My wife does not like last-minute changes at all because she is a planner. She is also very good at cleaning messes up as she goes. So she's cooking. There's lots of stuff on the counter. She does a real good job just putting it all away as you go. Me, when I cook, I leave everything on the counter and I leave the cabinets open and then I just walk away from it or step over the pile of whatever it is that needs cleaned because I just, I just, just what happens sometimes. Guys, raise your hand if you've ever done that. You stepped over a pile. I have pile. no idea what you're, you're never talking about. Never stepped over a pile. You just walked. You just, ever. Never. Okay. Heidi is laughing. Yeah. But she makes me better in that way. But the one thing I do do really good with in like you know cleaning the house is if there's a really big mess, like the kids trash the playroom and there's toys everywhere and there's garbage everywhere and then you just you know, the wife walks in and you're like oh, I don't really know where to start at. That's where I can come in. And I'm like, okay, let's just get started. And then I start picking stuff up. And then I can help her out in that way. And now, diving into a little bit deeper, 
my wife, as you guys know, I just told you she's a social worker, but she is very in tune with the emotion, like her emotions and with the emotions of other people. And she helps me become more in tune with other people's emotions too. And it's, it's really good teamwork there because me being a, a pastor and, and her being a social worker, working together to help people, it's like, it's like God put us together in a perfect spot to be a help and to be a light for other people in this world. And some of you won't like this, but another part of our teamwork that we do is we call each other out. Not like, hey man, remember whenever you sinned the other day? Not like that. We, we do it in a nice way. We're like, hey, I didn't, I didn't really think it was nice whenever you said this to so-and-so or whenever you said that to me. We'll call each other out because we love each other and we want to see each other do better and be the most like Jesus that we can be. We need each other and other people because we's accomplish more than me's. Now, now I know the, uh, the idea that we need each other for some of you is code for I'm too weak and I can't do this on my own. Like, you immediately categorize someone like, oh, you need someone, that means you can't do it on your own. You're like, you're not strong enough. You don't have what it takes. But it's not mm-hmm. really about being strong or being weak. It's about recognizing your wiring and what you were created to do and that we were all wired to work together with others. Every single person on the face of the earth, every human being ever was wired to work with others. In, mm-hmm. in fact, who God made you to be will work at its best, at its strongest, when you are working in conjunction with a we, when you are part of a team, that you will be at your best. Everything, every, every part of you will be at its best when you're working with the right we, the right team. For, for example, a nail wasn't made to function ultimately without a hammer. A screw wasn't made to function without a screwdriver. A steering wheel doesn't work properly without a car to steer it. A student can't learn really without a teacher, right? And Pastor Nick can't function properly without Taco Bell and Dr. Pepper. It's truth. You guys know that. Truth. Mm-hmm. So true. Mm-hmm. Actually, I, whenever we were writing this sermon together as a we, I went to uh, McDonald's over there and got him some Dr. Pepper because I was like, you know, it was very good. He, he's going to need this to function properly <laughs> right now. And one of, the, but one of the greatest individuals, and I would argue the greatest, to ever walk this earth is a person who had more strength, more resolve, more drive than any other human being ever in history. And he still recognized the need for other people. This wasn't just like another person like you or me or these guys in the sanctuary. This was Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. Let me say it again. The Messiah, the same Jesus that healed the sick, raised the dead, and walked on water, which we cannot do. I've tried. It doesn't, doesn't work. Oh, Every I, time I fail. I, me too. Every single time. I really like, you know, sometimes I pray so hard and I'm like, yes, I can do it this time. And it just it doesn't work. Never. The, he, can, he did some crazy things, crazy impossible things. And he, but he still had a vision that was beyond himself, right? He, he still wanted other people because he knew he couldn't accomplish this vision just with one person himself. He recognized that he, should, he can accomplish things more through we, not me. Here's that vision that he shared with his disciples. Up on the, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's will be on the screen. Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Follow along as I read it. 
Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of healing of every disease and sickness. This is crazy. He's healing every disease and sickness as he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. In 36, he says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, now this is really important. That's why it's highlighted. That's why it's underlined. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Now, I, I love this picture of Jesus here. You get to see his heart, like, out right in front. Uh, this, this picture that in Matthew's gospel is so real, raw, and honest. We <laughs> see Jesus' genuine heart to care for people, meet them where they were. Like, he said, it says he, he looked at them, and they were harassed and helpless, and he had compassion on them. Like, this wasn't some ploy or marketing scheme. He didn't just have some way of like, hey, I'm going to use you and then get to where I really want. Like, he genuinely cared for people. He had this immense, deep love for people. In fact, the Apostle Paul would write about the love of Christ in, in his letter to the Roman church. It's recorded in Romans chapter 8, verse 38. Uh, Paul wrote this, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from love of God that is in Christ Jesus mm -hmm. our Lord. Like this is some big, incredible, unmatched love. But even with as big of a love as it is, with as deep as it is and with the power of God that Jesus walked in, he uttered four unthinkable words. Like, Jesus said these four words to his disciples. The workers are few. Mm. Let me ask you, walk into your boss's office tomorrow and tell them that project, that goal that you want to accomplish, that he wants you or she wants you to accomplish, walk into the office and say, I don't have enough people to do that. See how that goes. Think about it. In American culture, we are told to be the end-all, be-all. Like, it should it begin and end with us. The buck stops here, that whole thing. And Jesus, the Son of God, says to his disciples, we don't have enough people. Here's the vision. We don't have enough people. In fact, we don't have enough people. You need to pray. Like, we really don't have enough people that you better go on your knees and start praying because mm -hmm. we need more people. The Son of God, the long-awaited Messiah, like literally God in the flesh recognized there were limitations to his humanity and, what, and that he needed more workers. He really needed other people. And he, like, just thinking about it, what you're, like, whenever you're saying, like, he had limitations, you're like, what? Because he's God. Yeah. He's not, he's not like a regular person but he did use regular people to tell us more about him so but Paul like how Paul talked about in Romans he also talked about the teamwork that exists between us and Jesus check it out listen to what Paul has to say about navigating the crazy life that we the crazy path of life that we're all on and uh, you guys who are with me on Wednesday know this verse. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, 
but in everything by prayer, and I like petition better, but supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So guys, he wants you to talk to him. He wants to help you do better. He wants to help you stay on the only path to him. And if you're a new follower of Christ, or if, even if you have been with Christ for a long time, you guys know, have to know that it is very, very hard. Like, almost impossible, right? Almost impossible to keep on the path God has for us if he is not there guarding our hearts and our minds. We don't just need the support of other people. We do need that. But we also need to have God first and foremost. And we need him at work on us and to work through us as well to accomplish the purposes he has for us. Me, Pastor Nick, Yin's guys out here, we are the workers for the harvest. Me and you, guys, say we are the workers. We are, we the, are workers. the workers. Okay, wake up. We've got to say it again. Ready? We are the workers. One more time. Louder. We are, we the, are workers. the workers. Guys, we, we are the workers for this harvest field. And the we accomplishes way more than the me's do. And, and then we get to chapter 10. So Jesus shares this crazy vision at the end of Matthew chapter 9. And then he gets to chapter 10. And this is where that, that idea that he's talking about, where, where it really starts to play out, where the rubber hits the road. Up to this point, the disciples were really just tagging along with Jesus. If you read the Gospels, uh, Matthew specifically mm -hmm. here, up to this point in Matthew, the first nine chapters, you know, we see where Jesus kind of, uh, you know, comes from, how he's born, and, and then eventually as he becomes an adult, he calls these disciples uh, to be his, his students and follow him. And, and, and they've, they've, they've kind of seen all that Jesus has done. We've come through the Sermon on the Mount, mm -hmm. which is uh, arguably the iconic message of Jesus' ministry. I mean, some incredible things. But really, the disciples at this point were observers, students. They mm -hmm. were watching and kind of gleaning from him. Uh, but then we get to Matthew 10, and everything changes. Everything. Everything. Jesus sends out these disciples in groups of two. Here's what it says in verse 1 of Matthew 10. It says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority. Can you say authority? Authority. We love authority. Listen to this. Jesus gave them, meaning they didn't have the authority at this point. He gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These were things that they had watched Jesus do. Mm -hmm. And now Jesus all of a sudden is saying, guys, you've watched some amazing, miraculous things that the power of God has done through me. Now I'm giving you the authority to do it. And this is where the stuff that Jesus is saying gets really, really crazy. Like, like you throw your hands up, scratch your head, kind of crazy. Jesus, knowing the mission that he had been given by God the Father, chose these 12 people, 12 students, ordinary people, or as we call them now, disciples. He knew that they would one day do even greater things than he was doing. Like, if you think about it, Jesus is pretty great. But he's saying that these guys are going to do even greater things than he was doing. And that also falls on us. These students, or disciples as we know them, were just like you and me, regular people. Well, I don't know how many of you guys are fishermen nowadays, but I, there was a lot of those guys in there. But they were just like you and me, sinners. 
But when they met Jesus, everything changed, all of it. Just flipped, they, like, they left, their, left everything that they knew and went to follow Jesus. And Jesus was their friend. He led them, and they learned from him, and he had a mission for them. In Matthew 10, Jesus shared with them the plan for this mission trips of the sort of thing that he was going to send them on. In this plan, he recognized their human limitations, and I, I think they, would rec- they recognized it too. And the mission itself even came with limits. Like he told them there's things that you can and cannot do. Listen to this. Matthew 10, 5 through 6 says, These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. And if you guys follow along. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Okay, that's pretty easy for them. They didn't like those guys anyway. Number six says, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Now things just got a whole lot harder because that's their hometown. People know whenever they come back to their hometown, it's going to be a little difficult because those people saw them grow up and they know who they are. And now they're going back to that hometown to find the lost sheep of Israel. But it's okay because they are a team. They're going to do this together. And Jesus' ministry lasted for three years on this, on this earth, but he always maintained the, the same geographical limit. He never went outside the borders of Israel, ever. But the harvest that Jesus spoke about was much bigger than just Israel. It was, it was, Israel was not the end goal. It was actually the rest of the world, the whole earth. So at the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus shares an even bigger vision than he shared in Matthew chapter 10. It was so big, so great, that it's something we are still pursuing today, 2,000 years later. Wow. Uh, we, we often refer to this as the Great Commission. Uh, it's, it's literally a co-mission, co-meaning with, in, in, collect, in cooperation with, where it literally is jointly, like we're doing this co-means with. So it's a mission we do with. Others. This mission Jesus shared would only and could only be fulfilled collectively. It would be accomplished with a we, not a me. Because he knew that we's can accomplish more than me's. And here, here's what he said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. This is Matthew's uh, version of the Great Commission. It's actually in all four of the Gospels and the book of Acts in some form or fashion. Here's what it says. Matthew 28, verse 19. I love this, these verses. It's going to be excited because this is, this is our reason for being. This is why we're here as a church. This is why I'm a pastor. This is why we follow Jesus. This is it. If you want to know why do I follow Jesus... This is it, these, these two verses. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And, and as these 12 disciples would obey Jesus, be sent out in Matthew 10 and would later go to the ends of the earth with their own teams, mm-hmm. uh, taking the message of Jesus to places that had never been heard before, And while they would get in groups of two at first and later individually, it was their collective efforts that took the spiritual kingdom of God to every corner of the earth that Jesus challenged them to do. This ragtag group of men became the epitome of a we. 
They, they may not have got it at first or realized it at first. If you read the interaction of these disciples early on, like they didn't get along all the time. They, they, they rubbed each other the wrong way. They get each other's nerves and sometimes would say things and do things that just they shouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. Um, but over time, this group slowly started to become a team. And while they may not have envisioned the harvest field Jesus spoke of in Matthew 9, um, well, maybe they, they kind of had the, the picture in their mind of what Jesus was talking about. It wasn't until Jesus challenged them in Matthew 10, they started to put action to the vision Jesus had. And what Jesus was showing them was that they needed each other to do their part, ultimately to accomplish their mission. They depended on one another to complete the mission that was placed before them. You see, while the disciples started going to the towns they were familiar with at first, they would eventually do what, what had never really been done at that point in history. Mm-hmm. They would take something, a message, to the ends of the earth. The internet didn't exist at that time. Like, there wasn't clear communication. They couldn't just That's get on the hard. phone or Zoom or FaceTime or, or, or any of that. That didn't exist. They would take the message to the ends of the earth. And they were able to do this not because they were like superhuman, super talented, crazy gifted. They had resources that no one else had. No, they were able to do this because we's accomplish more than me's. It was because they worked together. Jesus had this team, guys. They would help him accomplish the plan that God had for him. And he has the right people on the right team to produce the right results right now. Like, I don't know if you guys realize this, but you guys, me, Pastor Nick, and everybody in here, and all of our Christian brothers and sisters, we are the right people. You have skills, talents, abilities that make God's team stronger, and you are perfectly positioned where you're at right now, whether you're at work, whether you're at school, whether you're here at the church, whether you are in the shopping line at Giant Eagle or Target or wherever you're at, he put you in a perfect position to take the gospel farther and to change the world around you. And why, why are they able to do that? Because we's can accomplish more than me's. Now, here's the deal. 2,000 years ago, Jesus' disciples were just following Jesus to learn more to grow, to be good Mm -hmm. students. It was kind of the deal, but it was the starting point. That's what led them ultimately to follow Jesus. They didn't follow Jesus because they were going to change the world. They didn't sign up to be disciples of Jesus because Jesus said, we're going to go change the world. No, no, no. They became disciples. This was part of the the rabbi-student relationship at that time. Uh, They just wanted to change themselves. They wanted to better themselves. Uh, Jesus, though, had something bigger than just their own growth in mind. It's way bigger. He, he had a bigger vision beyond just bettering them. It was ultimately to turn the world upside down. Maybe you came to church today or, or you come to church just to grow, to be fed spiritually, to, to maybe be a better person, and that's a really good thing. Those are healthy intentions and reasons to be here or to watch online. Like, being a better person, that's, that's good. But I have a little secret to tell you today. God has something so much bigger in store for your life wait, than wait, just wait. you getting better. So it's, just not, it's not just about me? It's not just about me. You, it's not sure? just about you. It's not just about us getting better. It's not just about you growing or becoming the ultimate best version of yourself. See, he, he sees some crazy, unthinkable things that you could accomplish if you were part of a we. I, this sounds really wild. You're like, I'm not a pastor. I'll do I get that. 
None of these guys were pastors. No one put a title on them. They didn't have the degrees. They didn't have all of that. But Jesus saw something in them that they could accomplish together. And Jesus sees something in you that you could accomplish together. Mm -hmm. That if you teamed up with other like-minded people, sold out for the cause of Jesus, you would be blown away at what God does through you. You see, the vision Jesus shared with his disciples at the end of Matthew 28 is the same vision we are running after today. It's the vision that sets all that we do in context. We aren't here just to have some church service or just to fulfill some religious obligation. You may have come in with religious intentions, but I'm telling you, our intentions are nothing short of changing the world. And to accomplish that mission, I can't do that by myself. We have incredible pastors, Pastor Michael and Pastor Delena and Jason and on and on. We have incredible leaders here. But we can't do it by ourselves. It's going to take all of us working together. Mm -hmm. If we're going to reach the 45,000 people that call this zip code home, if we're going to reach the 350,000 people that call West Mullen County home, it's going to take all of us. No amount of talent or resources can compare to the power of a diverse group sold out for Jesus working together. Because we's can accomplish more than me's. And, and whether, as the worship team comes today, whether it's serving on, you know, our, our next-gen team or, or serving in our, our, our guest services or, or, or the young or adults, the young adults or worship and arts, whatever it is, like, we get to work together. And you might think, well, well, it's just about, you know, uh, filling some role or some spot. Like, no, that has absolutely nothing to do with it. If, if we were just concerned about filling spots and roles, then, then why, why even do what we're doing? We're just another volunteer organization. We're, we're no different than maybe a lot of the wonderful community uh, organizations are in our area. We're not that. We're a church. We have such a bigger vision that God wants to use you to change someone's eternity. It sounds so crazy. Like, how could God use me? Because you being a smiling face at a door could open someone's heart to the gospel. I bet you, for some of you, that happened for you at some point. Or, or you sitting behind a computer helps get the message of what God's doing here to people all over the world through this wonderful thing called the interwebs or internet or whatever they call it these days. I think it's called that, something like that. Like, think about it. We have hundreds of people right now watching in a warming shelter in Pittsburgh, participating. We're so blessed by you guys. Mm -hmm. So love what God is doing uh, in in the warming shelter there. That wouldn't be possible without a whole group of people running a camera and running computers. You don't see those things, but every single person plays a part in people experiencing their eternal destiny. There's a whole team of people in our other building loving, caring for, and pouring into your children. That's not happening like we just have childcare, like, well, we have childcare so the adults can actually enjoy service. Absolutely not. I promise you that is not the heart, intention, or vision of our next-gen team. No, their heart is, no, no, no. We get to pour into students while the adults are taken care of in the sanctuary. We get to see students, children, step into what God created them to be. And and I'm not here just to like give you some ploy and say, well, now you join a team. No, this is about your purpose, your uh, uh, destiny. This is about how God has made you, that you will work at your best for the kingdom of God 
collectively than you will individually. Because we's can accomplish more than me's. And here's the deal. I want to ask you to do something. You might come to church every week. Maybe you watch online and you've never actually been here before. And, and you're, God is doing something in your life and it's awesome. Can I tell you there's a, there's a lid. If you read any leadership books, the, the goal John Maxwell talks about is overcoming the lid of your leadership. There's a lid. There's a lid to your spiritual growth. You're going to experience a lid. If you just attend church or just watch online, you're going to hit a lid, meaning there's going to be a limit to how far you can grow. Mm-hmm. And the limit is going to be defined by your willingness to step out and do something with what you're learning and what, how you're growing. Because if I just learn how to shoot a basketball in a classroom and learn the mechanics of it, that's one thing. It's an entirely different thing if I actually get on a basketball court with a basketball and start shooting. I will learn even better by doing than I am by just sitting and listening. And my challenge to you, and this might be a bold challenge for you, maybe this is a stretching challenge. If it offends you, I'm sorry it offends you, but it's not me, it's just the Holy Spirit, so blame him. I want to challenge you if church is just a place you attend to push yourself, to stretch yourself a little bit. Let it be a place you serve. Because God wants to use your wiring and gifting to impact someone just like you that walks through the doors, that tunes in online. Someone that you may meet, maybe you won't meet. But I promise you that you're going to change someone's life for eternity. And if you want to step in and say, you know what? I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and serve. I'm not saying you're like serving every week. We're not here to burn everybody out. Once a month to serve in some way. You can go today or or later. Go to connect.calvaryirwin.com. Click join a team. You can see a list of all the teams. Or if you're here in person in your pew, there's a little blue card. has a list of all the teams. You You can look at it, pray about it. You can, you know, work through it. But my challenge to you is act upon it within the next 24 hours. Why? Because I know how this goes, because I'm there too, I have four kids. If something ends up on my dresser, you might as well throw it away. If something ends up on my dresser, it's pretty much as good as gone. My kids are gonna yell, like either try to eat it, throw it behind something or at something, or it's just gonna sit there. But if I can act on something within 24 hours, Chances of me actually following through with it are better. This isn't about you propping up some organization. Can I tell you, we don't need you to serve. We don't. We have enough volunteers right now. As we, we don't need you to serve. You need you to serve. For your own health, growth, and development in following Jesus. Mm-hmm. You need you to serve. Yeah. And collectively... God wired it that way. He made it that way. Our vision is so much bigger than Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. I hope you've gotten that. Uh, if you've been here long enough, we have a much bigger vision than that. We have an entire county that needs Jesus. We have a county, 350,000 people, many of which don't know Jesus. Trying to figure out. We have a lot of people to reach. None of us can do that individually. It's going to take all of our efforts collectively. We's can accomplish more than me's. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, as your pastor, I couldn't ask God for a better group of we's, a better group of people than you. 
to get to pursue this mission together with. And I don't need, we don't need more people on the sideline. We love to cheer each other on. We need more people in the game. The more people we get in the game, our better, better chances we can reach our county, our community for Jesus. Before we go this morning, I wanna pray. Before I pray, I wanna ask you whether you're gonna do it on your phone or that card, I want you to get it in your hand. Whatever it is, get it in your hand. This isn't just some spiritual thing where you're gonna go you know, hit, hit up Taco Bell for lunch because I know you all are gonna go to Taco Bell um, and forget about it. We're talking about your future, but not just your future, someone else's future that you can affect. This is a really important thing. Jesus didn't just share his great commission because he wanted them to do something because he was bored. It was because there were millions and millions and millions and millions of people that would die and live a godless eternity if they didn't do anything. It's still the case today. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? God, I thank you that you loved us enough to send someone into our lives to show love and grace. Maybe it was practically. Maybe it was uh, randomly. Some way, Lord, you got our attention and drew us to this place or drew us to you, Jesus, and everything changed. God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit will begin to prompt us and push us out of our comfort zone. Lord, that we don't just attend church, but that we're willing to serve at church. Lord, not because the church needs me, because I need to serve to grow. Lord, that we can accomplish more together than we could individually. God, I pray, Lord, that you would push us and stretch us, stretch our vision, scare us with that vision, Lord, that it's far beyond what we can accomplish on our own, that we desperately have to partner with you and with each other to accomplish it. And God, I just pray that you would give us the courage, the boldness to step out and be obedient to what you're speaking to us and prompting us to do. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for believing in us, for gifting us and equipping us for the tasks and the purposes and the callings you've put on each of our lives individually. And God, I thank you for this church, that we get to do this together, that we're part of a bigger family, that we're not trying to figure this all out on our own, but God, that we're working together as a team and as a church to fulfill that great commission, that mission that we pursue together. God, God, I pray that you would do miraculous, supernatural things through us as we step out. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 